Feliz Navidad. It is Christmas Eve day if you're listening to this, the day it is released. And I wanted to bring back this episode for a replay as this mujer, no doubt, is super inspirational with her story. When we think wealth, we think money, but it's deeper than that. Patrice Washington shares with us her thoughts and so much more. Are you tired of the traditional money advice? Me too. Bienvenida. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast. Join me each week for down-to-earth money conversations that will leave you with more confidence and inspiration to help you take control of your money. And you will probably learn some Spanish along the way too. Lista? You ready? Empecemos with. Let's get started. How's it going? Thanks so much for tuning in. This is Jen Hemphill, your host. And I have to say, I've been pretty lucky with the guests that have come on the show, don't you think? And this week, it's no different. She is absolutely fantastic. And there's no doubt in my mind, you will love her. You will learn in this episode why her mother had her answer the phone as a kid. I won't give you a hint on that one. You're also going to learn how she went from having it all to finding herself scraping change and the lessons she learned along the way from this. You're also going to learn how starting a blog gave her a new meaning in life. Let me share with you a little bit about Patrice Washington. She is an award-winning author, transformational speaker, hope-restoring coach, and media personality. She got her start as your favorite personal finance expert, America's Money Maven, having tremendous success with her mindset approach to personal finance. She has since expanded her brand and mission, encouraging women to chase purpose, not money. Patrice is committed to redefining the term wealth using its original meaning, well-being. She encourages women to have wealth in all aspects of their lives, by pursuing their purpose, being fulfilled, and earning more without ever chasing money. Through her teachings, Patrice empowers women to look at life through the lens of abundance and opportunity instead of lack and scarcity. As a founder of Redefining Wealth and the Earn More Money movement for women, Patrice has built a thriving community of high-achieving women committed to creating a powerful life vision in their careers, home, health, and personal finances. Lista? You ready? Let's go meet Patrice. Bienvenida, Patrice, to the Her Money Matters podcast. It's such an honor to have you here. Gracias. No, I can't go any further than that, but thank you so much. (laughs) I'm excited to be here with you. Well, I'm excited. I've been following you for a while. I actually, uh, a friend of mine, when I first started this several years ago, she's actually was a guest. She, I think, I don't know how well you know each other, but she just has met you. Adrienne Lufer, um, Adriana. Domingo's uh-huh. Lufer. Uh, and she's yeah. like, you need to connect with her. And then years later, I'm just now connecting with you. Crazy. But, but that's uh, okay. She planted the seed. So <laughs> she you, planted Adriana. the seed. And I looked yeah. at her, up, looked you up and I'm like, oh my goodness. She, she knows Steve Harvey. And this is a person <laughs> that I've been wanting to meet because I joke around with my husband. I'm like, I feel like him and I 
will connect immediately. And he's always giving me that look, you are absolutely crazy. Because I feel like we, Steve and I have this connection. But mm-hmm. it might be just in my mind. Who knows? So <laughs> I love that you've been on Steve. I've loved all the success that you've had. And now you've changed gears and you're doing something a little different, which I love as well. But I wanted to start off with your money story. Let's dig into that. How did you grow up around money? Oh, wow. I grew up being the kid that would tell the debt collectors, my mom's not here at her request that she whispered that to me next, like right next to me. Like I grew up going on I thought they were kind of shopping sprees every other weekend. The way I bonded with my mom was going to the stores. And back then, of course, there was no Google. There was no way to just check prices up front. And my mom also, you know, in addition to having a lot of credit cards, she also loved to think that she was bargain shopping somehow. So we would go back and forth from like JCPenney to Robinson's May to, you know, Sears. And we would just drive these streets going back and forth only to go back to the exact same store where they knew her by name because she would come in with all her rainbow filled, her purse full of like rainbow filled credit cards and rack things up. And then that would be followed up by telling the creditors on the phone that my mom's not here. And so I never sat down and had very direct conversations about money, Jen, but I learned indirectly that Credit cards were power, that that's how you made friends at the stores. That's how everyone knew your name, you know. And so when I walked onto the campus of USC at 17 years old and they were offering a credit card application in exchange for a Frisbee or your water bottle or a T-shirt, I was all for it. It was finally my time to shine. And unfortunately, because of that, as smart as I was as, you know, a kid academically, you know, there was a lot of emotional attachment to the credit cards. And by the time I graduated, I had $18,000 in credit card debt. Wow. And so how did you, so you went, you had this upbringing with your mom. Um, Mm -hmm. She loved shopping, got herself into debt. You were the one telling the debt collectors, she's not here. You got Mm -hmm. into college, kind of repeated the cycle in terms of getting yourself Mm -hmm. into debt. And then you became a personal finance expert. So how the heck did that happen? Take us there. (laughs) (laughs) So how did that happen? Actually, uh, about a month after I graduated from college, and I had already started a real estate and mortgage brokerage during college. So got into real estate at 19, 21 became a broker. And that's when I really started to read more about money. And then I realized that the people that I started to help, they were actually more like my mom's age. And as I was helping them, you know, figure out how they were going to buy their first home, one of the things that we overwhelmingly dealt with, and I worked primarily in communities of color, was the credit card debt. And so as I started to help my clients, that's where, you know, I started to do the work to pay down my own credit card debt. That's when I start realizing, like, this really isn't normal. Like, you know, actually, unfortunately, it's more normal than it should be. But like, this isn't what this is really about. This is not where I want to go with this. And in helping my clients, I helped myself. But then I became fascinated by the fact that even with a lot of very logical information, I instantly could see things kind of for what they were, if you will, and say, okay, this doesn't make sense. I'm paying more interest or whatever the case may be. So I'm going to do steps one, two, three. But I found myself fighting with some of my clients and it got me more fascinated around um, the mindset and Mm -hmm. behavior associated with money. And so I started to 
just read everything I could, take every course I could, Jen. I don't care if it was, you know, one of those scammy feeling free seminars or um, or like legit full blown conferences. I just inundated myself with information and then went on to become a certified personal finance coach. And I wish I could say, though, that that was how I really became America's Money Maven. I learned those things and started to use them actually kind of as marketing for my real estate firm, which grew by 25 to be a seven figure business. Now, where I really got passionate about diving in and teaching other people is when I lost everything in the recession. So although I had started to incorporate all of these wonderful principles and I paid down that debt, I even paid off my mom's debt by like 23, 24 years old, like I was doing really well and I thought I was doing everything that, you know, I learned. But unfortunately, you still don't know what you don't know. And I became the smartest person in my circle, which is very dangerous Mm -hmm. when it comes to these types of things. And unfortunately, because I grew up in a household where you weren't really encouraged to ask for help. Um, It was always kind of like a figure it out type of thing. I'm, you know, I'm Caribbean. So it is definitely like figure it out, do a million jobs and figure all of those out, too. So I, I just didn't have any concept of asking for help. So when the recession hit in 07, um, as it started to really, you know, come about, if you were in real estate at that time, you really started to feel it a bit more than other people were. Um, and so I was on bed, hospital bed rest. I took a fall mm-hmm. down the stairs, um, went into preterm labor with my daughter. And when I got to the hospital, I was 20 weeks pregnant. They were like, hey, this baby's coming any minute now. And, you know, that was devastating within itself. You know, that as a mom at 20 weeks, that's not what you want to hear. Right. Um, but then by, for I say the grace of God, like she held on, they admitted me, did everything they could. And I had great doctors and she actually baked for another 10 weeks and she came at 30 weeks, which was much better, but still very touch and go. Mm -hmm. Um, and then spent several weeks in the NICU. So between she and I being in the hospital, I racked up $400,000 of medical debt. And while I was in the hospital, I was looking at the news every day and the banks were closing left and right. So my team of 16 loan officers and real estate agents were literally bringing nothing in. Very few deals were closing, few and far between. And so by the time I kind of got out of the hospital um, and got back to life, things were very different. But instead of kind of easing the pain, if you will, I thought that I could beat it. Because remember, I'm the smartest one in my mm-hmm. circle, Jen. And I was like, we're I just can relate. buckle down <laughs> and we're going to figure it out. And I am queen fix it. Like, I will fix it. I will make it happen. And for a year, I continued to pay my team. I continued to pay all this overhead and exhausted my savings. And before I knew it, I went from a seven-figure business to scraping up change. Mm. And at my lowest point, my home uh, in Southern California was foreclosed upon. We fled and in, uh, to New Orleans, of all places, a town called Metairie, Louisiana. And um, it was on the bathroom floor, just one of those moments where I just broke and I couldn't take it anymore. And it was in the midst of snotting and crying and bawling and saying, God, why me? Like, what have I done? I, I treated people well. I did good business. I wasn't one of those you know, sleazy mortgage brokers. Like I actually did really great work and helped a lot of people. Like, how did I end up here? And in the moment I felt this little small voice that told me to get my Bible and I got my Bible and I found this scripture it was Proverbs seventeen sixteen, or I like to say it found me. 
And it was, well, good is money in the hands of a fool if they have no desire to seek wisdom. Mm. Yeah. And that was one of those, the first times that I realized how poor I was at asking for help, that I had not sought wisdom, that I wasn't very coachable and not because of arrogance. I just didn't even know. Again, you like, you just don't know what you don't know. Right. Um, I'm right. And that was the moment. Yeah. That was the moment that in that moment is when I felt this like overwhelming sense of you got to share this. Yeah. And I think it's because, and I completely relate to you because you were taught to figure it out yourself, right? So that's Mm -hmm. a part of it, right? So you were Mm -hmm. taught to figure it out yourself and then you didn't ask for help. Like I was that person too, where I was looked upon in my family and my friends that I was this knowledge tank about mm-hmm. finances, but they mm-hmm. didn't know, like I was hurting inside because I knew the reality of our situation. I knew not that we were in this dire straits, but w- I knew we were com- uh, borrowing from our 401k. I knew we were depleting our emergency fund and that mm-hmm. brought a lot of shame. But at yeah. the same time, I wasn't asking for help. I think because I was taught to figure it out <laughs> myself, mm-hmm. right? So it's mm-hmm. it's kind of this cycle, I think. Uh but I completely hear. And then you brought yourself back like you had this yeah. all-time low. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. And obviously, you're in a much better place. So tell us like what happened yeah. afterwards. Well, honestly, on the floor that day reading my Bible, I made this promise. I said, you know, when I'm restored, I got to share this with people. I got to share this with people. And then again, I felt that still small voice like when you're restored, you have no idea how long that's going to take. You need to start sharing now. And I'm like, oh, I don't think I heard that correctly, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to just, you know, keep trying to push forward because at least in feeling like I was supporting other people, it would help me. And I was always one of those people, though, as I said in the beginning, like if I learned something, I wanted to teach. I wanted to share. I wanted to give that gift of whatever that knowledge is to other people. And so I started a free blogspot.com the next morning, a free blogspot.com, seek wisdom, find wealth. And that was the thing. I was like, I just want to teach people that this journey is not about just chasing money. You have to seek wisdom. You have to seek wisdom. You have to ask for wise counsel. You have to know it's okay to get help. And I did that and I did it every week. I used like a Bible verse in particular every week. And then I gave like a a business or money lesson related to it. Mm -hmm. And at first I was like, well, at least my friends and family will hopefully look at it, support me. And then I realized slowly that they were not, Jen, they were not. (laughs) (laughs) When I asked my mom a couple of times what she thought about things and I could tell she was winging it, I was like, okay, I don't even have family support. Cool. So I stopped for a little bit and I never forget, I got an email and I was still to this day wish I had it. I got an email from a gentleman who said, hey, I hope you're okay. I haven't seen you update the blog, but I really enjoy it. You know, you've been blessing me. And I was like, who is this man? How did he find me? Where did he come from? Because I honestly, when I started, it had no real concept of online, like the online space. I wasn't even in social media yet. I, um... I didn't understand like Google Analytics, you know, and then I started looking at the back end besides where you post, like really trying to decipher what these reports mean. I'm like, oh, my gosh, people have been reading my stuff. Maybe not my friends, but strangers. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) Strangers totally believe me. So this is great. And so I kept going 
And that slowly turned into um, writing for other websites. And that became writing for magazines, which led me to radio and then television and then four books and a podcast and all the things and speaking all over the place and all the things that I do today. But it started with that one guy saying, hey, I hope you're okay. Your work was helping. Are you still connected with that guy? No. And I've switched email, you know, addresses Mm -hmm. over time. And at one point I would save that email and go back to it. It never had a real name. It was like one of those random, like something, something at Yahoo. Mm -hmm. But I think about him often and I I refer to him in different interviews because I'm hoping that one day he'll hear me again and be like, that's the girl and just, (laughs) and, and say hello because he truly was the catalyst for me continuing on. I would have probably tried to figure out how to go get a job. But instead, I felt like if I could bless one person, then it's worth it. And that one, you know, blessing one person turned into, you know, speaking to millions on the Steve Harvey show for four years. That is amazing. What a journey. Before we continue, I have a quick message for you. Her Dinero Matters is brought to you by First Republic Bank. The world is changing and your needs are evolving. As your focus turns to what matters most to you and your community, First Republic remains committed to offering personalized financial solutions that fit your needs. From day one, you'll be connected with a dedicated banker who will serve as your primary point of contact throughout your relationship with the bank. They'll be there to listen to you, understand your values, and meet you on your financial journey. Your banker can offer solutions that support your goals at any stage, from setting up a personal checking account to refinancing household debt to buying a first home. As your needs evolve, you can call or email your banker at any time for the support you need because First Republic believes what matters to you matters most. Learn more at firstrepublic.com. That's firstrepublic.com. Member of FDIC, equal housing lender. You've accomplished all of that. Of course, you're continuing to have success. And now you've shifted gears. So you became this personal finance expert. And now you're talking a different aspect of money. So you, you have a podcast that's called Redefining Wealth, which I love. And the Thank person you. listening, uh, definitely check it out. I'll have it in the show notes. And you talk about this concept of redefining wealth. What does that mean? So back when I found that scripture on the floor, and this was 2008, I really started to pick apart all of the words that were kind of involved in that. And I started to look at the difference between knowledge and wisdom, because I knew I was great at chasing knowledge, but not necessarily wisdom. I realized wisdom was the application of that knowledge. And sometimes we use those words interchangeably, right? Mm -hmm. Then I start thinking about the other things we use interchangeably and money and wealth would be another pair. And when I looked at wealth, I realized that for most of my life, I always thought of wealth as money. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Material possessions, period. It's like, you know, if you're wealthy, it's because you have an abundance of money or material possessions or assets or whatever. But wealth, when you really look at the true definition, and I started to dig around and look at the 12th century definition of wealth, the original, it was the condition of well-being. 
And that toyed with me for a while. I didn't immediately do anything with that, but I was like, wow, money, wealth is more than money. Wealth is more than money. Wealth is more than money. And so from 2008 to present day, you know, I've done all these interviews. I've been all over the place and people will ask me, well, you know, how did you do it? How did you bounce back? And I start thinking, Jen, it wasn't just by focusing on budgets and credit reports. Mm -hmm. There are so many other areas in my life where I wanted to be wealthy. I wanted to feel a sense of well-being and fulfillment. And I couldn't get my money together first and then focus on my family. I couldn't get my money together first and then start thinking about my fitness. I saw it as one holistic approach. Like if I work on all these other areas of my life, I I just feel like the byproduct will be that I will show up as my best self and my most confident self and my strongest self, just really equipped to not only make money, but actually maintain it. Because now some of these voids that I've had in different areas of my life, I'm not trying to fill with stuff or I'm not trying to, you know, use things to impress people. I have genuine relationships in my life, but I didn't have a system to it. It was just kind of these haphazard thoughts, you know, just Mm -hmm. as years went on. I started to focus more and more on different areas of my life. And so when people kept asking, I felt really suspect, right? Saying things like, oh, just, you know, you need a better budget. Like get a budget with, you know, where things fly in and, you know, it's colorful and it's all, it's like, no, here's what I really did. And some people would receive it and other people would call it like woo woo. And over time, as the years have gone on and I've been completely restored and have gone back to a seven-figure income, I'm like, you know, I don't care if you think it's woo-woo or not. More people need to know that this journey cannot just be all about chasing money. There's other parts to this. And I think that's one of the reasons, as Americans, we have such a hard time in particular um, with managing the abundance of resources that we have in comparison to the rest of the world, right? Is that... Mm -hmm. We think it's just that. And then we jack up our relationships and then we spend money trying to cope with that, you know, or we think that it's just let me work harder, grind more, you know, but not take care of myself. And then when I end up having, you know, all these overwhelming health concerns that were actually preventable, now I have to put my money into that. You know, there's just so many things that we don't think about. And I wanted to help my generation, this culture redefine what wealth means to them. It's the original meaning, but for many of us, we have to redefine because that's not how we grew up. Exactly. I love that. And I love that you're doing that because with how I work, it is more with the mindset. Yes, the practical piece, but you can't do one without the other. And the same with what you talk about, because you have the six pillars uh, Mm -hmm. that you talk about because it's it affects one. If you don't have like a good relationship with your spouse, then that mm-hmm. affects the, the money. If you don't take care of your health, then you're not the best of you, which can affect, again, the money. It all yeah. it all ties in. So I love that you're doing that. And do you want to talk just a little bit about the six pillars? Yeah, I can breeze through those. Um, the first pillar is fit, and fit is about becoming your best self. And I always tell people, Jen, that I believe that if you have a vision for your life, then it's your responsibility to protect the vessel. Like you only get one vessel and we live in this time again of hustle and grind and team no sleep and all these, (laughs) you know, all these things that infer that you should not take care of yourself, which is the furthest thing from the truth. You only get one self. So Mm -hmm. you should take care of it. And it's not just about being physically fit, but I also speak a lot about being mentally fit because I think oftentimes 
you know, we desire things that we don't have the capacity to sustain. We mm-hmm. just don't have the mental capacity. And so how are you taking care of, you know, mind and body is a big one for us. So the second pillar is people and people is all about creating relationships that matter. And one of the things that I share quite often is that a lot of times we're looking for these opportunities to help advance, you know, our careers or our wealth, but we don't necessarily take care of the relationships that are right around us. The ones that are right under our nose. I always tell people, do you even check in with the people you know already? Do you realize that they may have um, an end to some opportunity that could actually bless you and take you to the next level, but instead you're waiting to meet Oprah? Or Or Steve Harvey (laughs) or Steve Harvey or you're waiting to meet some person, you know, out there when really there's probably tons of relationships that you already have. You're just not cultivating them. And then I always just remind people too to be nice. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we don't we're not necessarily as nice as we could be. And I I say all the time that many of the opportunities that I've gotten, Jen, have not come from me pitching. They have really just come from me being kind. And being cool with everyone, I don't care if you're the CEO or the janitor somewhere in between, you're going to get a good morning, a hug, a smile or whatever, um, because I just believe in treating people well and that there's always someone watching you who has the power to bless you Mm -hmm. and not forgetting that. And that's a big piece for me of my wealth. It's been a great piece is the relationships. The third pillar is space and space is about setting up your life to support you. In that pillar, we talk a lot about time management. We always hear that time is money, but then we forget how much time we waste on very frivolous things. Um, And we say it, we just don't think through our actual day-to-day lives. And are we actually setting it up to support us so that we can be more efficient, uh, just more organized, and just really make sure that our space is something that, you know, really encourages our clarity, right? And our creativity. So I'm like anti-clutter. Um, I believe that clutter is the physical manifestation of chaos in our minds. Oh my and gosh, I'm, yes. <laughs> And I know that when I am surrounded by clutter, ain't no work getting done, Jen. Oh, no I tell my husband. Done. I tell my husband, uh, do you see the house? This is how I'm feeling in my brain right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. We all, yeah. And so whenever we're feeling stuck in an area, in particular, where to go, Next, with our career, our finances, I always say start cleaning up. That is some of the best clarity you can get is just clearing out any clutter that's threatening your peace and your joy and your clarity. So that's space. The fourth one is faith. Um, You can probably tell by now I'm a faith girl. Love it. And, you know, I used to shy away from it, but the reality is I shy away from it publicly Mm -hmm. um, because I, you know, I was told in a couple different talks early on in my career Um, Well, could you not mention your faith or could you not, you know, be so vocal about that? We don't want to offend. And for me, the thing is, you know, I don't try to get people to identify with any faith in particular, but I do believe that when you stand for nothing, you fall for everything. Mm -hmm. And so life is going to happen. Accidents don't make appointments. It's not a matter of if something's going to happen, it's when. And I believe that if you don't have some type of practice in place that you can connect to that can hold you, you know, in those dark times, in those tough times, then it's going to be a lot harder to rebound. And faith to me is the the key to your resilience, having faith in something and, and believing that nothing is happening to you. It's happening for you. Mm. And so when people say, how are you able to, you know, get off your brother's couch? Because after New Orleans, I actually lived on my brother's couch in Atlanta for three months. And 
How did you get off his couch to being on the couch with Dr. Oz or Steve Harvey? It was my faith. Mm. It was like, you have to be crazy with faith to believe that you could actually help people in the midst of you being broke. That's crazy, right? Like, cause your first mind is you, you start to define yourself by whatever failure mm-hmm. you experienced. And so my faith was what, what told me like, no, you lost your money, but you haven't lost your mind. Like what Love you it. knew about budgeting and credit still remains. Now you don't have much to budget, but that's besides the point. Right. <laughs> like You still know the foundation of how to do this stuff. And you have a responsibility to still share those um, talents and gifts. And so through my faith, pushing me forward to continue to share is how I got restored. And, and I believe how I got to where I am today. And so faith is important. And I don't care what you practice, but if you say you practice something, just practice it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like just make it a part of your daily routine because it sucks to try to lean into it in the midst of catastrophe to try to find what that thing is for you. And so that's faith. The fifth pillar is work. It's about living your life's purpose. And I would say from working with people one-on-one, I've primarily been an entrepreneur my entire life, my entire adult life. I've had random little jobs here and there, but I've never been like in corporate America or had like a real, real job, I would say. (laughs) And so, um, but what I found from working with clients one-on-one is that they would often complain about not being equipped financially with how to, you know, deal with their finances or budget or this or that. And after we would talk more and more, Jen, it would become abundantly clear to me that it's not that you don't know how to budget. You're so unhappy with what you do day in and day out. You find ways to self-sabotage. Yeah. You know, you find ways to fill that void. If it's with stuff or giving to people who you know will never, or I should say lending to people who you know will never pay you back or trying to buy love and affection. There's so many things that come into play when you're unfulfilled with your work. And so the work pillar to me is about really Um, encouraging people to pursue their purpose in some form or fashion. You know, before I could do what I'm doing full time and this is all that I do, you know, I took other odd jobs, but they all came back to helping people with personal finance. I even when I volunteered at personal finance nonprofits or financial education, excuse me, nonprofits in Atlanta, it was so that I could be inundated in the space that fulfilled me, even though I wasn't getting paid. But the fulfillment of helping people and the fulfillment of using my gifts and doing work that I loved, even though it was not paid, was just that is what gave me the juice, right, Mm -hmm. to keep pushing forward. And so working in your life's purpose is that it's about not trying to fill the voids in your life with stuff or with people pleasing, but to fill it with the work that matters to your soul. Right, because we're here on this earth for with a purpose and we just have to listen to what our purpose is and yeah. with our faith and all that. And I agree. I think that's very, very important because you're right. A lot of people are just going through the daily routine, get up, go to work, come back, get mm-hmm. up, go to work. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. not fulfillment. It's, it's not, not fulfilling. fulfilling. So, oh my And we goodness. mismanage our finances when we're not fulfilled. Exactly. In some form or fashion, it does happen. And the sixth pillar, final pillar is money. So <laughs> after all of that, and so money pillar for me is where I just really encourage people to use their money wisely, spend wisely, invest wisely. And that's why I get to talk about the things that actually made me originally the money maven. But for me now, it's like, look, guys, We can talk about the money pillar stuff all day, but if some of these other pillars are not in order for you, you are going to continue to find 
issues with anything you learn in the money pillar. It's one thing, again, to have the knowledge. We can give you information all day long, but you, you won't be able to really follow through with it if you're challenged in several one or several of these other areas. Yep. You have to and, peel back those layers. <laughs> yeah. And that's redefining wealth. And I, I love it. Love it. I love it. I love teaching this stuff. And I can't express how, how much I love it just because what you've done with that, with me, with my work, I do the practical money stuff and we work on the mindset piece, but you broke the mind part, the mindset, the behavioral component, the spiritual, I mean, to a whole other level, which oh, I love, you. I love, and I commend you on that. And I would absolutely wish we had time to speak more because there's so many other things I want to ask you about, but hopefully maybe you'll come back another time yeah. <laughs> and join us because yeah. this has been absolutely phenomenal. You've gone from success to an all-time low. You brought yourself back. You have held countless of people. And I love that. I think your experience speaks volumes because you know what it takes to be successful. You know how it feels to be just on the bottom. You know, you were living on from the couch, scraping money. And it makes, I think, and I, and especially from the time that I've known you, it makes you humble. And I think that's what p people love about you that mm. yes, you're successful. Yes, you've seen it all. So therefore you're able to appreciate it all. So I think that makes you really a phenomenal human being. So I appreciate that about you. And I appreciate oh. that you took the time to share all your knowledge and your story with us today. Thank you so much. And I'll just say this. It's one thing to be passionate about financial education, but I know that without going through everything I went through, Jen, that I wouldn't have the compassion that I have for people who have gone through different levels of financial loss. And so I don't, I don't regret anything that I've been through. Would I have chosen it? Probably not, <laughs> but I don't regret it because to your point, it does make me truly have a heart for people at any level and even for what people go through when they have some measure of public success, how they could still be feeling very much like a private failure. And what mm. goes on behind closed doors with that, as you talked about with shame and guilt and, you know, the different things that come up. So anywhere you are in the spectrum, I get it. And, you know, my heart is just to serve, to use my experience to serve. So thank you for giving me another opportunity to do that on your show. Well, I appreciate it because you're doing a fantastic job. So Hopefully, you'll continue to do it for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Thanks again, Patrice. Thanks, Jen. What did you think? I told you. Isn't she fantastic? You can connect with Patrice over at Instagram at SeekWisdomPCW. Don't worry. I will have this uh, link in today's show notes. La Mención Semanal, or the weekly shout out, which maybe I should really rename it to this episode's shout out, uh, goes to Audrey. She's been super focused on her spending with targeted dollar amounts to stay under and sitting on spending decisions for 72 hours as well. I see you, mujer. Keep your focus and keep pressing. You've got this. Now, there is so much to today's conversation. I don't even know where to start. My recommendation is to sit back and let the story of her journey sink in. She went from having wealth to nothing. 
and coming back stronger. I want you to let that sink in for a minute because if you are finding yourself in hard financial times, change is possible and it could get a whole lot better with a whole lot of belief in yourself and confidence. Of course, to get that belief in yourself and confidence, it takes some work. But if you keep yourself in action, and not all the actions have to be big, have accountability, celebrate the wins, surround yourself with people who will inspire you, keep learning, I know you will get there. Now, if you are needing a boost in your money confidence, maybe you need to gain clarity on your finances, I encourage you to check out the Her Money Matters Academy over at hermoneymattersacademy.com for free and paid resources available to you. There's even some bonus free resources that you can unlock once you go through some of the other resources. Setting up your account is free. Uh, If you have a copy of the My Daily Money Ritual, you already have a taste of the Academy, but FYI, I have added more goodies in there. So be sure to check it out if you haven't logged in in a while. Next week or on the next episode, not next week, (laughs) on the next episode, we will be talking to Joanna Gordon-Martin, who will be educating us on navigating the world of elder care. So why did I bring her on? We're not old. Well, we are living longer and there's so many unknowns and we have parents Uh, hopefully most of us have parents because maybe some of our parents have passed away, but we need to understand how to navigate that ahead of time versus being put in a situation where your aging mother or aging father needs uh, some sort of facility, specialized facility, and you don't even know where to start. So be sure to tune in to that one. That is a wrap for today. I want to thank Patrice for joining us, for sharing all the goods today. You can check out more on her in the show notes over at jenhemphill.com forward slash 167. And don't forget, if you love this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would share it with your friends, a stranger, coworker, family member, because you never know what that person is going through in their financial life. And they're not necessarily going to tell you. So just the sheer fact of sharing this episode or this podcast could give them the inspiration, the motivation, that push that they need to keep going. So I appreciate you being here and we'll talk to you in a few weeks. Ciao.